0: with you uh, this evening. My name is Terry Gensink. I'm a retired uh, Christian reform pastor. Uh, the last church I served was Messiah CRC in, in Hudsonville. Uh, two and a half years ago, I retired. I was there for almost 18 years. Uh, I, I've uh, I've heard a lot of good things about, about Ivan Rest Church over the years because for... Um, probably the last 18 years I've been in a book club with three other Christian reformed pastors we uh, we meet uh once a month at the cracker barrel restaurant to talk about a book we've read uh that we've selected together and then talk about things that preachers talk about and for the last good number of years I'm not sure how many uh Tony Meyer has been one of the four so so I hear I hear pleasant things about uh, about you folks, and I think uh, uh, that's actually the reason I got the invitation to be with you uh, this evening. Our scripture reading tonight is going to be from First Corinthians chapter fifteen. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, and I'll read verses three through. 11 3 through 11 and we'll take special note of verses 9 actually 9 and 10 Paul writes for I received for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me. Me also, as to one abnormally born. And Paul writes... Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. And may the Lord add his blessing. I want to note that ninth verse. I am the least of the apostles, the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. Strange thing, isn't it, for for Paul to write? Paul certainly wasn't shy of declaring that he was an apostle. In in Galatians, he he informs the church that, I I received the gospel directly from Jesus. I didn't have to be instructed by other people. It was by direct revelation to me, to me. And Paul's the greatest missionary the world's ever known. And he, he suffered so much. In Second in, uh, Corinthians 11, he, he, he has this whole list of the things he went through. Beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked. Think of, think of how we honor people who, well, think of soldiers. Think of think of uh, the acclaim, right, for Laisseau, that John McLean, McCain gets because he was a, a prisoner of war during the Vietnam War and refused to be released as long as his fellow soldiers were imprisoned as well. We honor that. Well, Paul suffered for the church greatly, dedicated his life. And he says, I don't I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted, I persecuted the church. And he did. Did of course. In 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 Acts eight, we read about that after the death of Stephen. it, It says Paul began to destroy the church. He went went out dragging men and women, putting them into prison. And then, of course, he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, and his life, by God's grace, was absolutely, completely turned around. But it seems right here, it seems right here, he's still grieving, grieving over what he was what he did way back then. Now let's be absolutely clear. Absolutely clear. Paul doesn't doubt his forgiveness. He's not talking about his salvation. He knows his sins are forgiven. Absolutely. That, that's his proclamation. He writes about that, proclaims it. It's not by works. It's by faith. He's saved by faith. He knows that. But that wonderful fact doesn't eliminate his regret, and, and many Christians today, to greater or lesser degrees, in a way, share his experience. Let me tell you about one. In a in a community, this was a community in Minnesota where I served a a church. A new physician moved to our small town, and uh, he and his family started looking for churches, and they went to, to several. And I met him, talked to him, got to know him a little bit, and my reaction was, unfortunately, they chose a neighboring church. They chose a Lutheran church, but God bless them. Wonderful, enthusiastic, energetic Christian man, great testimony, vibrant about his faith, eager to share it, but but pleasantly, polite, not overbearing, not pushy. And I, as a pastor, I was thinking, what a great asset they'd have been. And they were to their church, their, 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 their Lutheran church, because I talked to their pastor. But somebody who knew, and, and commenting about him, somebody who knew him much, much, much better than I said, Oh, yes, but he's got a great grief and regret because, you see, I didn't know that. But in the former community he lived in, where he had his physician's practice, he left his wife and family, married his his nurse, and took off, or he, he didn't leave then, but started a new family. Destroyed two families, he and that nurse did. She had a family, she had children too. She had a husband and children. He had a wife and children. And then, after both exes were remarried, the Lord grabbed hold of his life, their life, their lives. Changed them all around. I don't know if he was a genuine Christian before. He had a a church membership. I don't, know, I don't know anything about that. Afterwards, he certainly emphatically was, but he couldn't do it over. He couldn't do it over. And he continued to grieve. Now, he continued to live his energetic, eager, vibrant Christian life, but if people who knew him well, they'd find that out too. And I say... In a variety of ways, lots of Christians share that kind of experience. And and I don't mean in that same sense, but in many different ways. Sometimes not nearly, not nearly that dramatic. Some of them may be clearly before someone became a Christian. In fact, I've talked to somebody who said, well, so-and-so has got an excuse. He blew it, and he wasn't a Christian yet. He didn't know better, but I knew better because I was could say Peter knew better, too, when he denied knowing Jesus three times. David certainly knew better. He was a believer. Sometimes we blow it when we know better. And, and, And sometimes they aren't, I'm not talking about necessarily definite, dramatic experiences. Remember talking to someone once who... Really regretted it was when my kids were growing up, I was really a lousy father. I'm a much better grandfather than a father, but he regretted he he regretted how the whole way he conducted his life when his children were little. Sometimes the things we struggle with are long past. I mean Paul's persecuting the church was long past. he didn't have any struggles with that anymore. But sometimes the things that we've struggled with in the past, we still struggle with today. Well, what do we do about that? What do we learn from Paul? Paul is instructive. Paul says, thinking about that, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not without effect. Was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. The grace of God that was in me. I want to emphasize here two things. Two things that Paul emphasizes. In fact, this will be the rest of this message. The grace of God, and I worked harder. The grace of God, and I worked harder. But then he comes back and says, yeah, when I worked harder, that was the grace of God too. It was the grace of God working in me. A few things first about, about all of that. First, grace. What, what's grace? Well, sometimes we define grace by, by the, the first letters of the word. G-R-A-C-E, uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. I, I, I have just a, similar, uh, uh, a simpler kind of definition. Grace is getting something good from God that we don't deserve. Something good from God that I don't deserve. There, there are so many things, but for Paul's purposes and ours and very, very basic, I want to suggest to you two things, two things. And there's more than this, but this is a way of summarizing. God's grace for Paul and for us is for forgiving my sins. But it's also for changing me. And that's what Paul experienced. I believe that's what Paul is talking about here when he says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I received his forgiveness. I received his salvation. He he washed away my sins. I'm free. I'm, I'm, I'm bound for heaven. I'm not worried about. I'm not guilty anymore. It's all been laid on Jesus. God's grace for the forgiveness of my sins, but the second thing right along with it, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace to make me what I am. God's grace that made me this dedicated, this committed, that drove me to be this missionary, to passionately want other people to come to know Jesus as savior and lord. And what I'm going to suggest for this message is those two things are so true for us as well. But now, sort of an aside, backing off a little bit for something, a couple things for you to think about. It is very possible, I'd say likely, that some of you are thinking, well, yeah, that may be true for some people, like that doctor, but you know, I really never have that. I've simply grown up in the Christian faith. And of course, I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I need Jesus for for salvation. I I need to have my sins forgiven. But I I just haven't committed any big, big, big sins. A couple things for you to think about. One comes from, well, what, what Luke says about Jesus' experience with a Pharisee named Simon. In Luke chapter 7, we're told that a Pharisee named Simon invited Jesus to a banquet, and while he was there, a woman came in who the Bible identifies as a sinful person. A sinful woman came in and took some expensive perfume and poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and Simon said... It's was heard to say, well, if Jesus knew what kind of a woman this was, he wouldn't even let her touch him. And Jesus said, Simon, I have a story for you. There was a moneylender to whom two people, two debtors owed money. One owed the moneylender 500 denarii and the other 50. A denarii was a, a day's wage for a common laborer. So 500 days' wages... That's a lot of money, but it's not an insurmountable uh, uh, amount of money. Jesus had a parable, too, about uh, in the inability to pay back it to- millions and millions of dollars. This would have been possible, but it would have been very difficult. Or 50, that's 50 days' wages. They didn't have the money. They couldn't pay it. In that culture, they could have legitimately been sold into slavery unless somebody else would pay for it. And so the money lender forgave the debt. And Jesus says, Simon, which of those two debtors do you think loved that forgiver more? Simon, it seems kind of sheepishly, says, Well, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. Jesus says, You're right. You're right person who's forgiven more apparently Jesus says loves more so yeah we can be thankful if we haven't had any big sins that God's needed to forgive and has forgiven i guess we can be thankful but at least that little story of Jesus would seem to indicate people forgiven the most love more. One other thing. I've talked now a couple of times about a big sin. How do we know? Am I doing that? How do we know what's a big sin? In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul talks about some of the people who criticized his ministry. And he said, We're not like them. Those people, they measure themselves by themselves. When they do that, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're without understanding. What are you saying? They're foolish. So how do I know in God's eyes how big or bad or minor or insignificant are my sins? Just to think about. But we're thinking about Paul and the grace of God. The grace of God to forgive my sins and the grace of God to change me. One other thing about thankfulness for forgiveness, and I'll make another reference to this later on. It was a good number of years ago, I had been sitting in my, uh, in my office, to whom the Lord had done a wonderful thing in his life, changed him around. He'd been a Christian before, but by his own testimony, he'd say, just barely. But God changed him. And we're talking. Suddenly, he starts to weep. And, oh my, what what did I say? Did I offend him? I said, I'm sorry, did did I say it? Oh, no, 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 no. No, you didn't say anything. It's just, I've been forgiven so much. And he had. That realization, I've been forgiven so much, caused him to weep. Oswald Chambers has written, when we really, really understand the grace of God to forgive our sins, we don't feel guilty because we know we're not guilty. Says Chambers, we feel unworthy. Unworthy. My friend who burst into tears was feeling unworthy. Sounds to me, even Paul... Was feeling unworthy. Good for us all to feel unworthy because we are unworthy of that grace. But now, going on to grace and working harder. Grace and working harder. I have an illustration. I want to say, this is a made-up story, because I'm going to talk about something with my wife, and this didn't really happen. I, I've preached this sermon before, and somebody thought it was a real thing. It's not. It's not. But let's imagine that my wife has an antique vase that she got from her great-grandmother. Imagine that. She got it, got it from her, great, her great-grandmother, and it is precious to her. She loves it. It sets in a prominent place in our home on a, on a pedestal on a thing, and it's beautiful, and she dusts it, and she... Uh, and uh, some, one day, I get really upset about something, and I'm angry, and I'm agitated, and, I'm, and I rush through the house, and I knock over the vase, and it smalls on the floor, and it breaks and shatters, and, she's, and she tries to fix it, and I try to fix it, and it's irreparable. And I say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And she says, yes. And she never, never, never Mentions it again. In fact, I can never tell that there's any effect on our relationship. Not at all. Wow. You know, the weeks go by, the months go by, and no indication. That's hard. Never mentions it. I'm forgiven. And now I'm thankful. By the way, not to mention old hurts. That's something major. A good number of years ago at Messiah Church, a man, a member of the congregation who was a recovering alcoholic, and he had stopped drinking years and years before, but it had been a pretty wild time while he was drinking, gave a personal testimony, gave a testimony in front of the congregation. And among the other things, he said he complimented his wife, and he said about her, This will be a direct quote. And Mary has never, never once brought up any of of all those rotten things I did while I was a drunk. That's a significant compliment. Okay, think about it. If that has happened to me, when I think about my knocking over that vase, what will it make me think of? I submit to you, it's going to make me think, what a wonderful wife I have. And in the same way, when I remember my sin and failure, it's going to over and over again remind me of God's love and grace. And when I see that spot where the vase used to be, I can't help but remember what I did. And that's not bad. Actually, that's good. Because I remember what I did and I think about, well, I think about what I did. But I also think, wow, what a wonderful wife I have. And when I think about my failure. 50 years ago, 20 years ago, yesterday, I think, oh, how great, how wonderful is God's love and grace. Sometimes we're told, remember, we're told our sins are all forgiven. They're done. They're nailed to the cross. You forget about them. I'd say, no, don't. Don't forget about them. Know that they're nailed to the cross. Know that they're forgiven. Don't feel guilty because you're not guilty. We've been covered over with the blood, with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The catechism says that. God grants and credits to us the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. I'm forgiven. But the knowledge of that forgiveness ought to appreciate God's love and grace all the more. I have a wonderful wife. But, Second thing that goes right along with that. Let's suppose a little later, like tomorrow, I get angry and agitated and upset again and I'm rushing through the house. I hope it's going to be whoops. Slow down fellow. I don't want to knock something else over. I don't want to cause any more problems. I don't want to break anything else. And in the same way, the memory of my failure ought to ought to make me work harder, work harder to avoid sin. It ought to make me cautious, especially about the things that I have a weak area in. I hope King David did that. I hope we do that. I hope a recovering alcoholic, depending on the circumstances, stays out of bars. Working harder to avoid sin, you can apply that in a great, great variety of ways. And now a third thing, very much connected to, this isn't a lot different But as I simply down the road reflect on my whole experiences, I'm going to over and over again, I hope, come and think, what a wonderful wife I have. And it's going to make me specifically now not try to avoid specific sins like carelessness and rushing through the house in an angry way. It's it's not simply going to remind me of my wife's love, but it's going to say, "How, how can I be a better husband? how can I serve her more? And in that same way, in that same way, I suggest remembering my failure inspires me to work harder, not now specifically to avoid sin, but to work harder at obedience and service. And I think that's what Paul did. The grace of God has made me what I am. And I worked harder. This understanding of who I am has made me work harder. But it's not me. It's the grace of God. Working in me. And we could add, by his spirit, God is molding me and shaping me over and over again. And I'm hurrying on because there's one other point. You can look at these at these things. It's going to go off the screen in just a moment. But remembering my failure reminds me of God's love and grace. It makes me more careful to avoid sin, and it inspires me to work harder at obedience and service. But Paul did something else. He willingly shared his past. That's what this chapter is. He writes about it. Writes about it in Galatians 2. He shared his past. A number of years ago at Messiah Church, a, a young couple joined, and uh, the man uh, didn't drive. And just in conversation, he shared why he didn't drive. It hadn't been that long ago that he got out of jail for, I think, his third DWI. And uh, he couldn't drive for a couple of years. His wife had to drive him around, and it was a big inconvenience. He wasn't angry, he wasn't bitter. He was really thankful for how things had worked out. And Freely talked about his his family, how supportive it had been. People had been helpful. And he had stopped drinking by God's grace. And he was ready to testify to that too. So he did to our youth group. And while I wasn't there, but the youth pastor said it was a great meeting. And And one of the questions people, people asked him about, "Well, what was it like to be in jail? You don't want to go there. And he went on and told them things. But he also talked about things that he learned in, in jail, things that he learned about himself. Now here's the reason I, I bring up this illustration: That young man could far, far better communicate effectively about alcohol and drugs the teenagers than the youth pastor could or that I could because he shared from his own experience and they were impressed by his willingness to share since they're talking about being in jail let me give you another one some time back i talked to a, a father whose young adult late teen son ran the risk of going to jail thankfully it didn't happen but for a while, they thought he, he might. And he, he, the father shared this with the, uh, a youth leader at his church, who I think was about 30 years old. And the, the youth leader knew the young man from the youth group back when. And the youth leader said, oh, I'll talk to him. I've been in jail. Oh. Oh. Now, then there's this, you know, when you you hear that, you, you know what you're all thinking? What was he in jail for? He drove the getaway car in a bank robbery. It's like, oh, yeah, incredibly stupid, wrong thing to do, but he did. He talked to the young man. He was helpful. He was encouraging. I don't know the details of it, but helpful and encouraging. But you know what impresses people who who hear the story? That the youth leader was willing to say, yeah, I've been there too. And that's why I give these two illustrations. People learn more. I guess they're more impressed. They're more blessed when we share with them our failures than than our excesses, successes when we share with them our failures, when somebody else is in a struggle, and we say, I've been there too. I've been there too. And this is what God did for me. This is what God showed me. This is how I grew. This is how I experienced the grace of God. It's much more effective than if we come around telling everything we've done perfectly well, just glowing with with love and happiness, Many years ago, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote about the seeming inability of the Christian community, the church, to talk about our own sins, our own failures, our own struggles. He died in the 40s. I don't think... I don't think the church, the Christian community, the body of Christ, has changed that much. But Paul did. I I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. And he did. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I'm telling you about it. And it drove me to work all the harder. You do that too. Work all the harder. But it, it wasn't me. It was the grace of God working in me. And may God help us look right at our failures however we may judge them, big, little, or in between. Look right at them and understand from the depths of our being that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, they're all forgiven, they're washed away, I'm cleansed. But by His grace, may we remember those sins and remember the forgiveness. And by it, may we understand and embrace and delight in God's love and grace all the more. May it inspire us to work all that much harder to avoid sin. And may it inspire us to work all that much harder by God's grace to a life of service and obedience. And then may we have the grace as well to share what God has done and is doing in our lives, even through our failures. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for that wonderful, wonderful, amazing, marvelous grace of Jesus. May we delight in it. May we ponder it. May we live by it. Use us. even even as you use the apostle paul uh, lord god we don't have those kinds of opportunities that paul does but we do have opportunities bring people into our lives with whom to share and give us the courage and